Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Welcome back to another 7FMS episode. I'm leading this one off because you raised a great question, which was, how do we approach the annual review process of our employees, faculty, staff, et cetera? So yeah. I'm just going to dig into the how, the why, the what. Um, but why did that question even come up for you? I'm curious why you want to tackle that. Yeah, well, it came up because it was definitely on my mind at the beginning of the year, thinking about my own team. And the genesis of how I came to the system that I have now um, over the past four or five years. And um, it really just came out of curiosity. I wondered what yours look like. You've certainly influenced me, to be honest, in how I do things. But then there are other things that I've studied and learned and done to get to a place where I'm happy with this. And I think it's important. I think it's an important topic. I think it's a salient topic for this reason. I think this if this doesn't resonate with you, work on yourself until it does. And it's this, your team wants feedback. They want it. And in fact, in some cases, depending on their personality, they crave it. Mm. They want the validation. They want the feedback. They want the challenge. They want the growth. And we as owners of schools or, or other small businesses, we might look at that process and say, oh, you know, I don't really know how to do that. This is where I was personally. I don't really know how to do that. Um, and, and the team doesn't really want it anyway. Right. They don't, they don't want, they don't, that's an uncomfortable conversation. So this is just something I'm going to throw in the pile of things I'll get to eventually. And then I started to have team members coming to me. Hey, like, are we going to do like an annual review or something like that? Mm. I'm like, Oh, you know, I, do you want one? Yeah, I want one. Oh, Daniel's surprised. <laughs> oh, you do. Yeah, I do. And so now I'm scrambling. Okay, well, let's get a date in the calendar. And then I'm, you know, I said this in a previous episode, I'm going to Google, how do you do an annual review for an employee? And, um, and so that began, the, that began the journey. And it was a little rocky at first. But we're to a point now where there is a holistic solution that doesn't come down to having one annual or having a, I know it's called an annual review, but having one meeting a year to talk about how the employee is doing. I don't know if this is going to be all that long of an episode, but there's mm -hmm. definitely a system that I have in place now that feels really good. And the topic came up, like I said, I'm coming full circle on this introduction here, but the topic came up because I thought, I wonder what Nate does. I wonder where he's at. Cause I, I checked in on this with you a few years ago and I thought, Hey, instead of just having the conversation in private, let's just record it. So Nate, what about you? What does BMF do for well, annual review or where are you at as a, school or a, as a business in that, uh, in that regard. Yeah. So we're, um, we invested a lot of resources and energy into building a really robust system around reviews. We attempted to do them every quarter. That was way too often. Then we tried mm. to do them every six months. That was okay, but difficult to sustain. Um, we had too many steps. 
we got to the point where we actually avoided them for a year because it was too complex. And now we're circling back to really just a much simpler system. Um, so I think it'll be awesome to actually compare what you're doing at Grow versus what BMF's doing, and then where our listeners can find some some common ground and and a and a system that'll work. And before we jump into exactly you know what we do and what you do, I want to highlight something you said because it's so important, and I know it resonates with our listeners. Which is when someone on your team came to you and actually asked, "Hey, are we going to do an annual review?" And any time, <laughs> it reminds me of this great. Uh, uh, Gallup research um, that where they interviewed just you know hundreds of thousands, millions of employees to ask what were the most important indicators that they were happy in their job. And number one and two was, I'm going to read from you, the number one area to focus on as an employer with your employee is, um, you know, does your employee know what is expected of them at work? Do they mm-hmm. even know what success? is at work? And then number two, do they have the materials and equipment to do their work correctly? And then number three is my favorite, and this gets full circle to the real long-term value of the review with a high, with an awesome employee or teacher at your school is, you know, at work, do they have the opportunity to do their best work every day? So, so, so again, when someone comes to you and says, hey, can I get a review, Daniel? What I hear from them is we're missing one of those questions on the job site, right? They're not sure how to define success yet in their role, or they just would really like to have open, transparent conversations because they really want to be their best self on the job site, but they just, you're, we're not having conversations with them yet around how to do that. Right. Um, so anyways, I just that totally resonated when and I think honestly, I think as owners of schools, anytime someone comes and asks you a question and we're huge on this at BMF is anytime a question is asked, there's an opportunity there. Yeah. So, yeah. OK, <clears throat> um, let's can we start with you, Daniel, uh, sure. on your system for annual review? And, and I think maybe we just popcorn. We go back and forth and see. Um, where they differ and where they're the same. Um, yeah. So first of all, you said you do them once a year. Okay, that's mm-hmm. fairly sustainable. Every 12 months, like I could probably pull that off, right? Yeah. If I'm a school owner. Um, tell me what is step one in your process? So Nate, good question. First off, I want to give some context. These steps work only when there's a larger ecosystem that supports the process. That's kind of abstract. Here's the two thoughts really that one should take away. First, I'm very clear on what the annual goals are for my business. Yes. Annual planning. Yeah. And the the performance of the employee or the contractor, or the team member, whatever you want to call them, is going to be connected to their role in executing the vision. Yep. I can't understate how important it is that you have an idea as a business owner, what the larger picture is and how that person fits into it. And then even what they're working on as a result of that larger vision. So there's a part of this that it's so much more than, oh, it's here's the annual review episode that we're going to do. And here's the steps to doing a good annual review. It's more complex than that. 
the performance of that employee is going to be connected to that larger picture. Here's the second thing. This doesn't work outside of a regular rhythm of meetings with that employer team member in which you're clearly communicating to them where the company is in relation to the goals, where that employee is in relation to the goals. Um, and, and look, this, this is bigger than you know, one type of employee. You're going to have different conversations with a teacher than you're going to have with your partner, with your marketing dude, with your HR gal. There's going to be a different conversation that's had, and there's going to be different facets of the business that you're focusing on with that person in that regular uh, meeting rhythm. So those are the two contextual pieces that I have to put into place before I say, well, then this is what actually happened when I met with my ops manager a little bit ago. And we went through this very simple process. Like this is, this was couched in relationship in her greater understanding of the business in her trust in me as a leader. And all of those came from other things that we've talked about in past episodes or just other things that I'm doing my business. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to come to you for a concrete example, but what I hear you saying sure. is if you don't have an annual plan with clear priorities for the year, it's really hard to have a conversation around if they're performing towards those priorities. Yeah. The first point I hear. And then the second point I hear is you need to be committed to consistently showing up to them just in your regular weekly, monthly rhythm so that you can actually say, hey, we did a performance review you and I both agree that these are areas to grow. These are areas you're crushing it. And so then you show up in a regular rhythm so you can actually touch on those as needed. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. It's not like a one and done, which I, I yeah. just love that second point. I think we can put it in concrete terms, though, um, for school owners, too, around this idea of like a consistent faculty meeting. Because we remember we did we just did an episode all about oh, yeah. when to meet with teachers, whether to pay teachers, and it really got into the value of what that teacher meeting was, right? Um, so, you know, if you uh, do a review with your piano faculty and it turns out that one of the teachers needs to improve on communicating more consistently with her parents and another teacher needs to improve on adopting curriculum more consistently that's used within your program. And another teacher needs to, uh, has the opportunity to grow around being on time more regularly, right? So you've got three different humans. They all teach in the piano department and they all have different areas of growth, right? That are meeting your annual goals, whatever those are as a school. Well, if you don't check in with them for another 12 months, what I hear you saying, Daniel, is you're likely to just show up at that performance review with a similar thorn in your side. like. You know, and you're saying, so So when you have that piano department meeting, you can literally be like, hey, guys, remember we talked about these three areas that we were going to improve as a department. Yeah. So, okay. There's one other contextual piece too. And oh, it goes fire. in, and I think it's worth just a little bit more detail. For my operational people, I actually have them tell me what they're working on for the month. Now, my team is almost all remote. I rarely see any of the team members that work with me. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I will near the end of the month say, hey, what are, you, what are your priorities for the next month? And they'll send it back to me. And I'll look at that and say, hey, we need to add this. Um, and I even ask, what order are you going to do them in? Mm-hmm. And I will rearrange it and say, actually, to meet the priorities of the business, it should be this order. 
this cost me a couple minutes tops. And so it's a way that I can actually manage my people and that they have confidence that what they're working on is valuable. And then because of the regular uh, check-ins and the weekly rhythm of just adding things to a list of things to talk about, they're all my folks have real confidence that what they're working on is actually meaningful and that they have plenty to do and that they're doing it in the right order. Mm -hmm. So there really should be no surprise at the end of the year where it's like, oh, I have to give you a bad review. I haven't had to give a bad review because I've done these little management things throughout the year that really kind of prevents that from happening, which then affects the way that the annual review goes down for us because it's less about performance because I've been checked in on their performance throughout the year. Yeah. And I would, and I would, um, highlight a couple of things you said, managing people, really the, what you, I hear you saying is what I was coached on is you're not managing people, you're managing outcomes. The outcome mm. is defined as, and we, we do this all the time with our, uh, with the school owners that we work with is, you know, we start by saying, Hey, can we just define an evidence of success when we get done with this process mm. so as an, with an annual plan, you have an evidence of success at grow. And you're saying, Hey, Hey, team member, let's talk about what the priority is so that we achieve that success. It's not, let's talk about you. Let's talk about where we're putting your valuable resource, your time and energy and creative energy. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to, I want to, I want to get into the nitty gritty of exactly yeah. what you do, how long your annual review is. Is it 30 minutes? Is it an hour? Exactly the questions you ask. Yes. And I want to open it by saying, you said it's not like you're getting a bad grade. So already you're highlighting something that I discovered in our review process. This isn't about grading employees. Remember, we talked about this in an earlier episode. You already know whether you have like A plus faculty or maybe they're a B faculty and they have room to grow or maybe they're a C plus and you're like, uh, actually, I'm going to coach this person out. You know, you already kind of know yeah. that yourself. So when we get into the annual review, we're not grading someone. What we're doing is saying, hey, there's an opportunity for growth because there always is in all of us. Yeah. You know, so let's have a candid conversation around that. And then let's also celebrate what you're doing so well. Okay. So, dude, how long is your review process? Let's just take one person. Let's take your ops person, for example. Yeah. How long is your review process with that person? That's a good question. And oddly, you pick that person and it's fresh in my mind because it actually just happened recently. So I can be pretty specific. Um, we had actually been having another meeting about priorities for the quarter. And we had planned in advance that we were going to go from that right into talking about, you know, her review, uh, pay conversation, that sort of thing. So we were kind of ready for that. It lasts about 30 minutes uh, because of the unique way we do it. Would it be helpful to kind of hear what we're doing? I'd love to know. Yeah. The questions yeah. you ask and just, yeah. How you budget those thirty minutes? I think this might uh, this might be a little different than than what most folks are expecting because, as I mentioned at the outset, I, I did something that was more annual reviewy before, and I didn't really like it. Um, I tried different frameworks. I looked at them. I looked at what different authors or people that I enjoy did, and none of them really resonated. And it always felt kind of forced. And actually, what we do now was a team member suggestion. Um, and we learned about this because of a previous job that she had been at and, and uh, had suggested that we use. And I liked it so much that I kind of scrapped 
the way that I was going to go about doing it and, and started using this instead. And it's pretty simple. Couple steps. First, you have a little bit of homework to do beforehand and the team member has a little bit of homework and it's a framework called start, stop, continue. Nice. Have you heard of this before? No, no, no. Hit me to it. Maybe. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. So basically you're going to take some time out before the meeting and you're going to think along three categories, things that you want the employee to start doing. This is forward, forward focused, stop doing, which was backward focused and to continue doing, which is kind of in the present. The forward focus is thinking about what does this person need to do to accomplish strategic objectives that we have in the future? What do they need to do to accomplish things that will help them in, in their job? Um, so we're trying to identify and develop behaviors um, that will help the employee succeed and the company succeed. Those are two separate things. So there's kind of two categories you're thinking on. And then you think in the same way in terms of thinking of the past. What has happened in the past? Things that we need to stop because um, it didn't support the mission of the company or it's something that might be holding them back professionally. And then continue is, you know, again, more positive. So in this, it's the kind of the sandwich method, method. positive, quote unquote, negative, positive. So you kind of sandwich there in the middle. So you're kind of using another framework that I think a lot of people know. I even use that framework in terms of teaching my piano students. I would always praise something in the song before we worked on uh, praise and develop. Let's say, oh, great phrasing there. Try this too. Like this will even take it to the next level. You're already so good at that. Try this. And then, you know, moving to possibly let's work on this and then ending with some more praise. You know, something else I really enjoyed from their performance. Do the same thing with the team members as well. So you're sitting down, you're writing out, uh, your thoughts on start, stop, continue. And then you're coming to this meeting and it's very low pressure. It's conversational. Um, and you're having that discussion, but here's the other thing before you come to the meeting, there's one other piece of homework. Yeah. Both of you are writing it for yourself as well. Mm. Now, when you're writing the start, stop, continue for the team member, um, obviously you're writing things specific to them. When you're writing start, stop, continue for yourself, you would use this with multiple team members. You're not writing it in conjunction with, oh, my work with this particular team member or my relationship. This is just a self-assessment. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to explain why that's important here in a minute. Um, so you're coming to this meeting and what's interesting, and, and you asked specifically about my ops person, I, it was just such a great conversation because I meet with this person throughout the year. Like what was on day. that? What's that? Well, I mean, I work with her every day, but then yeah. we're having more formal meetings throughout the year, yes. at least once a week. Yes. Where where we're having conversations that are more on this higher plane. You know, if I'm you know talking with her or you know, my previous um admin assistant who who helped my studio, you know, my ops person for my studio, um, you know, the, the day in and day out of like, hey, here's a better idea for how we could schedule social media posts. Like we're not getting to that deeper level. It was more in those formal meetings where we were discussing bigger picture items that performance issues came up. So what was interesting, what you'll find to be interesting about this framework is that you're going to, you're going to feel a little bit confused for the first minute or two. It's going to be hard. And then as you start thinking about, it's just going to start flowing out. And I actually did have 
every time I do this, I have a little bit of time. And then as I start thinking about them, the work we do, the projects they're on, how I've interacted with them, my experience with them, like it just starts, it just starts flowing out. So you got to persist a little bit through that uncomfortability at first. But what's interesting about what goes on the list of these different people is that there's nothing surprising there. A lot of times it's directly connected to what we had talked about in terms of the annual plan. Because a lot of times I'll do the annual plan and, and the annual review also kind of comes at a similar time. Right. So yeah. on the start part, everything there is focused on what they need to be doing to support the goals that we've identified as a company that we want to move forward on. Yes. When we get to the stop part, a lot of times it's more like interpersonal work things, things that Ooh. didn't work so well, that sort of thing. And just as an example, um, I'll use this one because I don't think this will embarrass anybody. But one of my team members, my stop for her was, you've got to be stopped being so self-critical. Um, just in, in, in my observation of her throughout the past year had been that she was really hard on herself for even like the smallest of missteps or missing that thing or, you know, not doing this thing. Um, another piece of critical feedback I gave someone that's a little, you know, maybe a little bit more edgy is just um, just around the top, the idea of being more expansive in thinking around new ideas. Right. That, you know, this particular team member was maybe a little too quick to go to binary thinking. Yes or no. As opposed to thinking of possibilities. Right. Now, here's what's interesting. I think this is a good segue into what we want to talk about next. What's really interesting about this is that in her start, one of her starts coincided with my stop for her. And it was around that point. So that was really interesting. So, yeah, that's you. Can I just highlight a couple of things and then ask? Yeah, for sure. Detail, because I also want to share. This is actually a good opportunity to share a little bit of the framework that we've pivoted to. Hmm. It sounds quite similar to yours. Wow. But the first thing I hear you saying, Daniel, that I think is really important, because I always want to contextualize the work we're doing for that school owner who might be at 200 students or 150 students who want to get to 400. And so they're just beginning to build team. And it's you're highlighting a couple of things here that are so valuable for us to say out loud is that when we originally built some version of an annual review, honestly, it was too complex. A lot of times these things feel too corporate. Let's be honest. They just yeah. feel totally there. We're just like, dude, this isn't me at all. Like I'm not, you know, like, okay, I'm all down with the 360 review. I want people to talk about me as much as I want to talk about them, but I need a framework that is actually organic and works for me and a bunch of musicians or some other um, people that are that specifically are coming into support my our goals in a music school. You know, that's that those are unique types of employees that end up under that umbrella. So, but you highlight this point, which is there has to be a framework within which you work. And it starts with homework. So you're asking that employee, that teacher, that mm -hmm. support staff, that ops person to put their head on it before you meet. This is one of the steps that are so often missed when we're in the work we do with other school owners is where people are like, wait, I don't actually have a clear framework or agenda for the meeting. And I haven't actually asked this person to come in prepared. Right. And so then they wonder why the meeting sort of fell apart 
and didn't feel good as an owner, like, ah, I failed again as an owner. Well, it's because we needed a framework and the person needed to come in with a chance to succeed within that framework, right? So the second thing you said, which is so valuable that I want to highlight is if you've given this person some homework, if you've, if you've said, hey, we're going to meet for 30 minutes and this is what we're going to discuss, then you need to allow the 30 minutes to flow. I actually wrote on my card from framework to flow. You made the point that like the first five minutes might feel a little weird as you're finding your footing. Right. And you have to be open to just getting back into the groove of like, hey, this is a 30 minute conversation that's different than our normal monthly ones or our normal week to week connect with each other and get and be patient with that. Um, And it reminds me of a of a rule that I'm trying desperately to implement in my own life at BMF, Daniel, which is. Just don't talk, Nate, ask the question Mm. and then just let silence you know, sit for a minute or two so that the other person can gather their thoughts and respond, um, you know, in a way that feels comfortable to her. Right. Mm. Like, it's, it's just like, don't drive the conversation, let the conversation happen and trust your framework. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. Okay, so Daniel, what's next in this review process for you? Yeah, so we're in the conversation. We're doing start, stop, continue. Um, again, if this is in the context of a late relationship you've developed with this team member or teacher over the past year, it's not going to be this heavy conversation. In fact, um, because you start with start, right? it's more positive focus. Like, hey, let's this is what we're going to be working on. This is what you're going to be doing for the next year. And guess what? You contributed to this idea. You were in these planning meetings. This is what your role is going to be in the thing that you helped us develop. And I've been in a situations where a, a critical piece of, of, of the decision-making process was input from team members where we wouldn't have had the same strategic objective or annual plan without their input, without them being there, without them pushing back on things that I was saying. So it's very exciting to have that part. Then you come to stop. People can get a little awkward here. We start with a team member. um, And I'm not going to get into a bunch of deep geeky stuff. I will just give this caveat. Be careful that you are not letting bias influence what you put here. Mm. It's easy to have preferences. It's easy to have an ax to grind as a studio owner. You cannot let this infiltrate the stop section. You cannot change someone's personality in the stop section. What you need to put here are things that you can back up with data. If there is any place, that you need to back up something with data, it needs to be here. So you either need to have numbers or you need to have specific concrete examples of a behavior or actions that they were taking or ways that they worked 
that that were not helpful either to other team members, to you, to the mission. You cannot you cannot be arbitrary here. You cannot be subjective. This has to be objective truth. And then you move into continue. And again, this is more um, positive focused. Uh, here's an example from one person. I said, hey, continue efficiently completing both major and minor projects. Continue balancing your task list effectively because this was something that this team member was awesome at. Um, continue being incredibly reliable. Everything I threw with this person, including some hard stuff, they, they just nailed. Mm. And then um, something I said was continue bringing your friendly social self to work. It was actually a pleasure to work with this team member over the course of a year um, where uh, I really enjoyed interaction. And there was a lot of interaction in, in terms of our Slack channels or even in terms of um, you know, in-person work that we did where it was just enjoyable and there was you know, a lot of camaraderie. Now, I just want to put this out there. That actually happens to probably be something that is true with most of my team. Um, and I, I want to put an image out there. There was a show that came on TV, I think like in 2010, 2011 called Modern Family. Mm-hmm. I will never forget the opening of that show. Like within the first five minutes, they introduced the dad who was brilliantly per- portrayed by Ty Burrell. And <laughs> the opening thing that he says, his first scene in the show is like, I'm the cool dad. Like, and he's talking about how his kids just think he's the coolest thing. And he's just so clueless. And he doesn't know that they yeah. actually, <laughs> that's not the case. I'm not saying try to be the cool boss. In fact, if you try, it's probably not going to go well. Right. I think we all have different personalities and there is a sense that I hired the people I hired for the job that they had, but there was also a certain type of person I was looking to hire as well that I knew would really jive well uh, with the rest of the team. And there are certain things that I bring out in team members that another studio owner might not. Um, Clearly I'm not afraid to be on camera. I'm not afraid to talk to people. You know, there are school owners that, have told me like, I'm not even really sure what I should say to them. Like, should I, I've had school owners ask me, should I get them a Christmas gift? Like where they're wondering, (laughs) what do I need to do to make the team better? Whereas that's a piece where I don't, that social element isn't a struggle for me where it might be for others. It doesn't mean that I don't have areas that I struggle. I certainly do. I'm just saying that that particular piece of feedback is very contextual to the team that I've developed. Um, and, and there's a certain type that's come out. So that's kind of the employee side of it. I think we'll probably get into the, the owner side of it too, but I mean, did you have any feedback or do you have any questions well, about anything I've said here? Or should I just jump into the owner side of it? Cause that's much shorter. Yeah. I actually wanted to highlight one thing you said, and then I also hmm. wanted to give a concrete example of behaviors and data points that are crucial. Hmm. Uh, so you said, be careful about preferences. And I wrote down I said preferences are not priorities. And you keep coming back to this point that's so valuable, which I think episode 10 was, which is on getting your annual planning together. You yeah. have company priorities. Or if you mm-hmm. don't, you need to listen to that app and you need to do them. Um, there's never too late. There's, you're never on the wrong month to set up your priorities for your company. Right. Because <laughs> yes. it's not like it only happens in January. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I didn't do it on December 31st. I guess I have to wait another whole year to set <laughs> my annual priorities. Right. <laughs> and you're like, we got to be so careful about our biases. Like we're working as a team towards some goal that's larger than what we could do on our own. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of setting up uh, a team and a company and priorities. And then you said, be really careful that you don't come in and be abstract. Like, hey, 
I need you to stop doing this just because it feels weird. Yeah. So let me, you know, that's, let me give a concrete example at BMF. So we have with our teachers, what we call the big three, which we are just three data points that we measure consistently. And the first one is communicate consistently. And the second one is, are they sharing um, resources consistently with their families? And then the third one is building community and, and building community for us is not a loose co abstract concept. It's literally, are their students collaborating on gigs? We just finished gig season. How many of their students actually played in bands on shows celebrating these original songs? So we measure those three things. What's the result of those three things happening well is that they retain students, hmm. right? So a real data point that we'll go into with an annual, with a review with a faculty member is your retention percentage, right? We'll just be like, hey, here's what the school average is. Not what Nate's average is, which might be, you know, 99% retention. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying BMF's average retention rate is this. Yeah. Your retention rate is 25% lower. Hey, let's talk about that. We need, to, we need that to stop, <laughs> right? What, 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 how are we going to change that? Yeah. Right? So that's a concrete data point. And, and by the way, for people that are listening, they may be like, whoa, dude, that's too aggressive. I'm not like that. I'm actually averse to any sort of conflict. Well, then you're going to continue having the same problem repeat over and over and over because that's right. actually not conflict. That's just the reality. That's the actual story that's playing out right in front of you. Right? So when you say come with concrete examples, that's one that we would come with. Yeah. To a teacher review. Um, okay. Uh, I want to ask you a question. No, hmm. I want you to go on to the owner's portion of this. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be shorter. I'm going to come back with my other question. Okay, good. Okay. Go ahead. So the owner's portion um, is just that that person is going to then have a start, stop, continue for you. Mm. And I think it's going to be in the same way that it was highly personal from, from you to that person. Like you couldn't have the same start, stop, continue for a different team member. It's going to be personal to you and their relationship to you, their professional relationship to you, their business relationship to you. So the start, stop, continue you might get from a teacher might be very different from a marketing assistant. Yeah. Um, and um, it's interesting because, <clears throat> boy, that's really egalitarian. That really is putting yourself under the microscope and saying like, hey, I actually really appreciate your feedback. And it's interesting some of the stops that I've gotten or some of the starts that oh, I've gotten. And, you're a stop. Let's uh, yeah. Because that's, that, that's an ego. That's addressing, sure. you're taking your ego on. Square on. Can you share one? Yeah, I can. So this came from a really, I'll just say a senior person. Um, but this person told me to uh, stop. I'm trying to think of the exact way it was said. Stop uh, basically keeping things to myself. Mm. But so there was a particular period in 2021 where we had a ton of deadlines. And I had deadlines, this person had deadlines. And this person said that they heard me saying things in meetings like, um, I've got more work right now than I've had in quite a long time. Like I haven't taken on this many projects since kind of the early days of this business when yeah. you put in the long hours. And I knew it was only for a season, but this person observed that I seemed a little more stressed, a little more curt, 
Mm. Um, a little more, uh, maybe stress is a bad word. They didn't actually use that word. I, I think, you know, I think from Lord of the Rings, uh, like butter scraped over too much bread. <laughs> There's a quote from, I'm betraying my geeky side. Anyway, um, but there were a couple points where I was in the meeting. I was like, ah, you know what? I, I shouldn't have said that. I'd said that in a previous meeting. And essentially what this, per- like, I actually was very struck by this person's writing that in that it, it should, I learned something like I, I asked this person to elaborate and it was almost as if they actually shocker. They actually cared about me as a person. Yes. And they were saying like, Hey, I want you to like share some of this stuff with me because I know that, you know, I mean, this person sees our financial picture, you know, like they know what's going on in the business. But, yeah. But so it wasn't as if, Hey, don't keep things for me that about the, don't keep things for me about yourself. Cause I actually care about you is essentially what this person said. Um, it was so shocking to me. And, um, why now, of course there was a part of me that was like, but I, 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 I tell you things, but you know, again, the non-ego thing, like I asked them to elaborate because in my own mind, I was thinking like, well, I shared with them everything that I felt was relevant. And so as they developed what they wanted to hear, I thought, oh, I didn't know they found that to be relevant too. I want to kind of bring this to a point and share a little bit what BMF does specifically uh, with teachers. Yeah. So Daniel, when we look at uh, what BMF does for their version of a performance review, um, I think it's important actually to share a couple of the notes. I'm, I'm just going back over the history of our performance reviews and, and where we really struggled. Um, and what actually didn't work. And I'm going to, do you mind if I just share, can I just actually read some of these notes that I, that we wrote within our people power team? Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, so this is, you know, we call, we call HR people power. It's not a big team. It's like three or four of us and we're involved with all of the hiring. Um, and then the, you know, if needed firing, um, in addition to the performance reviews, and so these were some notes that I took um, in a team meeting, uh, probably I'd say a year ago when we were looking at how to do them differently. Um, and the first thing is that, and you mentioned this earlier when we were talking, is that we just fell short on consistency. Um, in other words, we thought it was a great idea. We'd show up for, we'd think we could do it every quarter, but then we'd only show up for two quarters, but not the third quarter. And then maybe miss the fourth as well. And then of course your employees then no longer think that it's actually a thing. You know, it's no longer a review if you're just um, showing up when it's convenient for you. Even if you're going to do an annual review, you got to, like my friend says, you got to do it three times in a row for it to actually become a tradition. (laughs) So, so like, so like you gotta, if we don't show up consistently, um, you know, it's not even really worth getting started in a way if we can't really Mm. commit to it. Um, the second thing that I wrote down is that we were just way too complex with the checklist of excellence. In other words, we were like, hey, we came out of a review. Here's all the ways that you need to improve mm. opportunities for growth. And it was too complicated. Like, we couldn't track that. We never followed up on all of it. So it just became kind of this thing where it was like, ah, it's too complicated for you. It's too complicated for us. Eh. <laughs> yeah. Very similar to the problem that we talked about couple episodes ago about when you do the end people's conception of doing the annual plan is oh i made this and it sat in a drawer somewhere well we did that with our team too it sounds kind of like what you were saying it's exactly the parallel 
And what's interesting is that probably the 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 same strategies that apply to actually actualizing the uh, the annual plan are probably what are probably applied to enacting a performance improvement plan or, or that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and, but I'm sure you have thoughts on that. Go ahead. Yeah, and and I'll, as you pointed out earlier, like 30 minutes ago, and we've tried to highlight a few times here, they're very closely linked. So clearly, the sort of the mindset and the systems, what's going to keep keep them consistent and sustainable, they're going to be similar. Um, another thing that we uh, we struggled with was that we had too many people per manager. In other words, like I can't do performance reviews with all 18 teachers. This is not just, there's no way there's not enough Nate to go around. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to decide, you have to kind of divide and conquer and be like, okay, in our case, we have a private lesson director who works with say six to eight teachers and that could be his responsibility. Exactly. To, you know, um, yes. for me, it's more important that I do a performance review with Ben, the private lesson director, rather than with all the teachers. And in a way, and I mean, I think this is going through everyone's mind. When you do that with him, you are modeling for him what he needs to be doing with those teachers. If you didn't outright put him through a training or, or train him on that, you know, in and of it, uh, just by itself. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. Um, and then you pointed out this earlier, but I'm reading, I'm going to literally read my note here. It says, we confused our one-on-one check-ins with a performance review. Hmm. Exactly what you said earlier. You're like, did you show up weekly or monthly with your team member? That can't always be a performance review. That's just a one-on-one yeah. check-in. And I put as a sub here, just, just for everybody listening to um, understand the value of that one-on-one check-in, which is that really can, I just wrote, they can just be about listening and understanding our employees' needs as well as showing appreciation. Hmm. Right. So you said earlier, like you're talking with, for example, your ops person and you're asking her, well, how can you be of benefit to her? What does she need in order to succeed in her job this month with her priorities, right? Um, it's, it's not always a performance review. It's not always, they don't, people don't always need feedback on how to improve like every week, every month. It's just too much for us, right? And then the final thing is that, um, you know, I just put, look, our hiring system is sometimes overwhelming us. This was from before. We actually are literally went through a refinement of our hiring system just recently and are putting the finishing touches on it. Um, but the reality is, is that the per- hiring, the performance review is linked to your entire hiring system, right? If you mm. attract great client, um, great, um, you know, great teachers, great employees, and then you onboard them correctly and they feel well-trained, they will actually look forward to, as you said, a performance review. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, imagine that. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Imagine that, dude. And then dig it. Let me show you how simple we've made it. Because um, I'm not even actually going to go in. People can absolutely write us. People can, you know, connect with us if they want to know the complex version of our um, performance review. But I'm going to show you what how we really simplified it. It's called the sort of two by two. And it's just simply, they share, I share, let, let's, let's take my private lesson director. I share two things that I've seen that I really like that he's doing. Mm -hmm. And then I share, I ask him, what do you think are two things that you could build on or growth areas in your position? That's it. Two by two. I share two things that I really like. 
I ask him to give thoughts on two areas that where he can really grow. And what's interesting is that um, um, the, uh, the woman who shared this concept with us at BMF put it really clearly. She said, your A players will always have two or more areas that they want to grow. Mm. Anyone who can't come up with some area that they want to grow, honestly, is probably not a long-term prospect for your company, whether that's a teacher or a staff position. Because, I mean, Daniel, we all know this. We're either in a growth mindset, i.e. we're in the mindset of where we want to improve not only our own version of self, but also you know, the, the job site, we want to be of benefit to everyone around us. And so, you know, right away by just asking that question. Um, And then she finishes it by just saying, you know, she, she says, okay, so you ask, what are the two things you you finish by saying, doing a simple review at the end of your 30 minutes, you say, okay, well, I'm going to use, I'm going to use, again, our private lesson director as an example. So, Hey, you know, we can agree that you're doing these things really well. Do we agree we're doing, you're doing these things well? Yep. We can agree that here's two areas where you can improve. Cool. Um, let's also, and this is this awesome area you put, stop. Let's also agree that we can just kind of blow these other things off. Sure, you have like eight different places you can improve, maybe. But let's just decide there's only a couple that actually matter that we agree on. We'll let those mm-hmm. others go for now, right? And then finally, we leave with this, which is any great meeting that's action-oriented. You're like, okay, what's one committed action that's going to move you forward this month in that growth opportunity? And that's it. That's the whole review. And then, of course, my job as the one leading it, Daniel, is to actually write down what the committed action is and say, "Yes, hey, hey, dude, this is what we agreed on. Yeah. So many takeaways there. I think a big one is that follow-up piece. Mm. And the system that we put in place is that in our standing agenda document that we share, me and key team members, um, that is a perfect place to put those long-term goals, those committed actions. The other thing I want to say too is that irrespective of uh, the system used, the framework used, there are realities underneath it that will make any of those frameworks work. There's nothing magical about start, stop, continue. There's nothing magical about two by two. It's merely a framework. It's the leadership underneath the framework that makes it work, that drives things forward, that builds trust, that builds that professional relationship between you and a team member, you and a partner, you and a teacher. So. Um, don't get don't get caught up in and oh okay I'm writing down all these notes in as long as it's simple in my opinion and it's in the context of a weekly rhythm I think you're good to go. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families, and you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. 
It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.